Welcome to Reliability Matters, a podcast for the electronic assembly industry. Each episode covers topics related to reliability, best practices, and environmentally responsible assembly techniques with insights from experts across the electronic assembly industry. Now, here's your host, Mike Conrad. Welcome to another episode of the Reliability Matters podcast. I'm Mike Conrad. I'm so glad that you're with me today. Uh, Many of us in the electronic assembly business start with the circuit board. It's the first thing we start with. We don't make the circuit board. We just, they show up miraculously one day in our shipping and receiving department. And then we build the board up from there. As the biblical parable stated, the foolish man built his house upon the sand while the wise man built his house upon the rock. In this case, um, the circuit board is the proverbial rock. My guest today is Dr. Kanal Shah, president and chief scientist of Lilotree, a company which provides surface finishes for the electronics assembly, uh, for electronic assemblies, which purportedly provide optimum performance and better reliability uh, of circuit assemblies. We'll dive into that claim in just a little bit. Dr. Shah leads advanced engineering materials development for the electronics industry. He is the inventor of Enig Premium and Nicholas and Nickel Less Enig premium, uh, and other surface finish solutions. Previously, Dr. Shaw worked as a senior research scientist at Intel Corporation and Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. At Intel, he developed polymer interlayer dielectric and passivation material that led to the design, adoption, and integration of polymer passivation materials in Intel's IC products. He has been the recipient of numerous industry awards and has authored several scientific papers and patents. Some of you may be asking, what are surface finishes? So we're going to start very basic in just a little bit. And some more of you may be asking, well, what allows a surface finish to provide optimum performance and reliability, as the prior claim suggested? My guest, Dr. Shah, will answer these and other questions. So without any further ado, Dr. Shah, welcome to Reliability Matters. I appreciate you being here. Uh uh, absolutely, thanks. Thanks for having uh, uh, Mike uh, on on the on this podcast. Uh, this is uh, this is very exciting uh, for me too. Uh, let's begin with with your company. I always um, try and find out the nature of a company name. Sometimes it's yeah. pretty obvious. You know, my company's Aqueous Technologies. We build water based machines, so you don't have to go too far <laughs> in your creative mind to figure out what it is. Yours is Lilo Tree, and yeah, I. I I have if I were to just see Lilo Tree, I would have absolutely no idea. So it must mean something to you. So tell me what Lilo Tree means. It does. It's actually uh, very much similar to uh, the the analogy you brought up, uh, the aqueous solution that you uh, or aqueous technologies that you have. Lilo Tree, you know, it may not be as obvious uh, for most of the uh, people, but in Eastern culture or one of the Indian culture, Lilo Tree means green, anything that is green. And basically, the, the the materials and surface finishes that we have developed and we supply to you know uh, to global uh, manufacturers, all of them are uh, eco-friendly or green chemistry. Uh, and for one of the example, the the major example is you know the, the gold chemistry has been used for decades uh, for plating, and they use mainly the cyanide-based gold solution, which is very you know we know the environmental aspect and the health aspect of of, of those cyanide-based chemistries. And we have completely gotten rid of that. Uh, our chemistries are halogen-free, you know, Rojas compliant and REACH compliant, and basically anything that can be as green as it can get. So the idea of the name is the green solutions or green chemistry. That that means the Lilo three. 
solutions, basically. So your company is Lilo Tree. Your products are very Lilo Tree, to put that yes, in the yeah. in the vernacular yeah. that you're citing. Oh, very yes, good. Yeah. The greatest yeah, thing about yeah. hosting the show, I learn new things every time I do it. <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Yeah. And sometimes I learned uh, that I didn't know it right. So uh, either way. Um, Tell me a little bit more about Lilo Tree. We know where the meaning yeah. comes from. Um, yeah. When were you founded? Uh, what markets do you serve and what types of products do you offer? Yeah, so uh, actually, uh, surprisingly, uh, we've been actually in the business for uh, almost 10 years now. Um, uh, recently, past five to six years. So again, uh, past 10 years, we've been supporting aviation, aerospace, medical electronics, consumer electronics, and semiconductor industries. Uh, that's my uh, background. Uh, I'm a chief scientist there in the company. Uh, we've been actually supporting a lot of these chem uh, industries uh, and a lot of their products in terms of when the failures occur to their products, they, they come to us uh, and we, we do lot, you know, exhaustive investigation of what caused the failures and you know, why these uh, fail uh, products are failing. Uh, and then we provide them you know, uh, you know, guidance. We work with their vendors and suppliers and to improve the product from a from a ground up, from a materials level perspective. Uh, along the way, even uh, since we have a materials background, uh, uh, you know, as, as you brought it up in my bio, uh, again, I've been in this industry for more than 20 years now and, you know, have a, you know, staunch materials uh, uh, expertise in, 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 the, in, in this area. We've been getting a lot of surface finishes related failures. So even though the assembly will come to us, we analyze and it's like, oh, it's the intermetallics, it's the solder joint failure, it's the, it's the corrosion at the interface. All those failures were coming so pre predominantly from a, from a high reliability, uh, you know, uh, uh, customers. You know, their batches of that product, when they identify the failure and we, we help them say, okay, it's the surface finish, that batch would cost them several uh, millions to several hundred million dollars. Uh, they have to worry about the lawsuits and the, the recalls and everything under the sun. And that's when, you know, past five to six years ago, we actually realized that, hey, there has to be a better surface finish out there, which does not lead to these, uh, you know, uh, gruesome uh, failure that we are seeing. And not only it's the money, but, you know, some of these uh, products are used in aviation aerospace, the, you know, planes that we fly in or the, some of the aerospace research that go on. So and, and some of these products actually go in some of the patient's uh, body being a medical electronics products. So it's it's beyond the money. There is a lot at stake to have a high reliability uh, uh, being played out uh, in, you know, in these assemblies, basically. So that's where we started out, uh, you know, offering uh, developing the surface finished products. And now basically we are one of the global suppliers of these products. Yeah, there's always two types of, of startup companies, uh, one that says that looks at a, a, a a product and goes, well, we can do that just as well as anyone else. And they just kind of yeah. pile on, become an also ran. And then there are those that yeah. uh, look at um, either we can do it better or we can do something radically different. Uh, right. And, and uh, those are the companies that, that inspire me um, you know, rather than an also yeah. ran. Um, so let's just, I don't want to take for granted that every listener to the show knows yeah. what we're talking about. So let's get, um, you know, let's go back to elementary school a little bit and, um, <laughs> and let's just kind of build up from a, from the, a similar foundation. Um, yeah. Let's begin with the basics. Uh, what's, what are surface finishes and what functions do they perform? Yeah, so, uh, so as, uh, you know, going back to really basic, uh, you know, every, every, uh, everybody in this world pretty much, you know, if I, if I sort of generalize everything, uh, is using electronic uh, product, 
you know, be it a cell phone or a TV or a, or or anything, something's really basic has uh, you know has electronic assembly built in it. And now electronic assembly is sort of a heart or where you you brought up an analogy where the house is built, the the basic structure or the pyramid is built upon a printed circuit board. Uh, uh, and now printed circuit board are manufactured uh, in a in a in a printed circuit board manufacturing, and then it gets transferred to a, another manufacturing facility is called assembly, where different components are put on these printed circuit boards and form assembly based on the design, based on where the application is of this product. So there are different components, different chips, different uh, you know uh, capacitors and resistors and everything sort of get assembled. Or is it, and that's why it's called surface mount component gets placed onto these printed circuit boards. Now the the area where it been it's 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 put on is a, is a copper pad essentially, and that is these copper pads are uh, at, at the time of the printed circuit board manufacturers actually lay out this design circuit. And these copper pads are laid out based on the circuit, and then these copper pads will have all these surface mount components put on it. Now, these are a copper. Copper is typically very corrosion prone. It gets oxidized. It gets you know uh, etched, uh, leached out uh, with with the different environmental condition. Even regular environmental condition, it gets oxidized in within few minutes or so. Anyone who's so, uh, who's who's visited the Statue of Liberty knows that. Right. It, yes. Right. It's it's turned into green, uh, uh, which was not the case uh, uh, in general. Uh, so yeah, either oxidation products, you know, turn into green or some sort of a red or rust of some sort if it is iron. But in the case of copper, you will you will have an oxidized surface. And why oxidized surface is bad because now if you try to put a solder solder to put a you know a component on it, it will not wet and it will not form a solder joint which is a major failure uh, mechanism. So you want to ensure that your your copper pad is absolutely pristine at the time of uh, when you are doing assembly. And that's why you put different sort of coatings. And these coatings on copper pad is called surface finish. Basically, it's finishing the copper pad to, uh, to ensure that the copper pad underneath is, uh, is protected. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it, it does its job at the time of uh, assembly when these surface mount components are placed on these copper pads. Now, I'll actually jump uh, one more uh, just because right now we are talking in an introductory uh, uh, fashion, but I want to sort of sort of also identify and distinguish what a typical surface finish does and what Lilo 3's product does and why we are different. So, uh, you know, as uh, Mike pointed out in our company's logo uh, or, or slogan is, optimum performance and better reliability. So most of the surface finishes in the market uh, uh, are, are their goal is to all right, let's just protect copper. So it's not oxidized. And at the time of, um, you know, a surface mount component, uh, you know, it provide it, it, it gets the 100% copper and it's all completely protected. That's how the surface finish was designed. However, what is the concern in, in terms of assembly level? Assembly level concern is they don't care about what surface finish is applied as long as you have a good strong assembly where the component are attaching to these copper pads strongly. What is attaching that is a solder joint, right? Uh, surface finish does, doesn't do or has not been, uh, you know, from any supplier that you use surface finish from, doesn't do any job of forming the uh, solder joint. Their goal is to have a pristine copper surface, then then the solder joint will be formed by the solder itself or the solder material or solder chemistry. Right. The itself. moment the paste is put down and, and it reflows, it's done its job. That's it. It's done its job. Right. Absolutely. That's that's where it ends. 
So Lilo 3 actually has taken one for, uh, step forward where the chemistry of the surface finish participates at the time of soldering process or a reflow process and actually forms a very robust solder joint. And, and what Lilo 3 surface finish does, it actually uh, regulates the chemistry at that interface when the solder joints are forming and forming a very, very robust solder joint. And that is why the surface finish is participating in forming a, sol a robust solder joint which was never the case with a traditional surface finish that are out there in the market. So it sounds like it, it sounds like unlike a traditional surface finish, which you know ends its 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 responsibility the moment things heat up. Yeah. Um, it, is this acting in in a similar way to flux? You know, the flux's <laughs> job is to provide you know reduce oxidation and provide yes. better wetting and things like that, and and surface finishes prevent oxidation and in this case you're you're uh, suggesting that it also improves wetting so it's it kind of sounds like it's a combination of surface finish and flux in many ways no, no no so i think mike you brought up a good point that flux actually does help at the time of if there are any uh, any chemical reaction that is happening uh, that is oxidation of any sort that is affecting the subsequent soldering process this actually surface finish is actually so our surface finish uh, basically uh, you know gets diffused into the copper surface almost uh, half a almost you know four to five hundred nanometer uh, into the copper surface so what it does is when you have a reflow process where the well basically dissimilar material are coming together and forming a solder so basically in the case of tin and uh, for example in the tin and copper it forms a tin copper intermetallics in a typical a solder joint, uh, uh, you know, if, if Lilo these products are not used and typical how other other products are sold, the cop at the so basically multiple reflow cycle happens. So if somebody knows about reflow cycle for the for example, a lead free so, uh, reflow pro profile can go to as a high as two fifty five to two sixty five degrees Celsius and then comes back again and then there's another cycle and you know depending on the how complexity of the board. As it goes through the reflow cycle, the copper actually diffuses into tin and that diffusion uh, and basically then they start coexisting. That coexisting phase is called intermetallics, means one metal from copper or a surface, a surf, you know, on the PCB side and then a, and a, and a metal from, uh, you know, from a solder, you know, come together and start to coexist. It's called solder joint or intermetallics, right? The, for typical inter uh, electronics industry, what is the weak link in terms of the assembly? What is the you know what is the phase or what is the area where most failure happen? Is the solid joint? Is where the the joint is occurring where the inter intermetallics are formed because it's a non-similar metal. They may not be you know sitting well together instead of having a you know uniform homologous material. You have a dissimilar metal working together, so they may not like each other as much and and and. and putting it in a, in a much more comical sense. But the idea is dissimilar metal, uh, this phase is the softest. And whenever you have a like a drop, like if you drop a cell phone or if there is a, I mean, this is a very simple uh, analogy, but in a in a much higher, high reliability aviation, aerospace, medical electronics, there are much more stressful scenarios where these, these assemblies actually tend to fall or, or, or fail at this intermetallics. And why? It's because this, this copper keeps on diffusing into tin and forms a very thick intermetallics. And these thick intermetallics seem to form these phases which are very, very brittle. 
so what our surface finish has done or what our chemistries have done is actually this diffuses into copper so at the time of reflow it actually prevents too much diffusion into tin so so intermetallic formation thin the thickness is significantly reduced and that makes the intermetallics much more so instead of having a larger area of intermetallics you have a very thin and distinct area of intermetallics that makes overall reliability much higher Sure. Uh, and, you know, instead of our traditional ones. Yeah, and we'll get into um, the tricks that. Yeah. <laughs> the tricks. The, yeah. In yeah. my world, the, the tricks, the the magic <laughs> that you um, that you uh, invented or 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 realized that makes your product uh, work the way it does work. But let's. I want to stay basic uh, for a little bit, a tiny yeah, bit yeah, longer. Yeah. Uh, what are the most common surface finishes that are in use today? Yeah, so um, so I think uh, most of the industries uh, use. Uh, so if I go back in history, you know, early two thousand or even previously, uh, you know, there used to be a or there's still a, a surface finish called Hassel, uh, hot air uh, solder uh, surface leveling, basically. Uh, that used to be a lead base uh, Hassel, uh, which is basically the, the even the surface finish is also made up of. Uh, uh, solder material it's tin based surface finish and it used to have a lead also in it and now when the you know when the in, incoming solder comes in it's looking at the same material instead of a dissimilar material the joint used to be very very strong because it's, it's attaching this uh, like and like instead of you know uh, dislike you know dissimilar materials basically it used to be very popular however in you know in early 2000 2008 is when you know sort of a switch happened where you know things or industry started going into lead free realm of things and that's when the lead free hassle did not uh, work as well uh, and uh, there were other other issues because of the surface planarity was not very good there was very high surface roughness with hassle so that there were some of these small bgas and small form factors were not conducive with these uh, older older technology I think along the ways, Enix, electroless nickel immersion goal, early 2000, started becoming popular. And actually, even till date, it's one of the most prevalent surface finish, especially in a high high reliability uh, sense. One of the benefits uh, is is it's got the gold layer on the uh, you know the final gold layer, which actually provides you and offers you more than 12 months of uh, of shelf life, which is what is very critical. You need to be looking for a gold-based surface finish with the with the with the geopolitical and you know with, with the with the with the COVID and all the situation where your one factory is in one country of the world and another assembly happens in another country of the world and supply chain logistics issues and everything. So, anyways, uh, coming back to the idea is uh, electroless nickel immersion goal is one of the most prevalent uh, one, which is I would say if you look at the number, it's the highest revenue surface finish uh, in the world. Uh, there is another uh, another one I would put is OSP organic. Um, uh, uh, it's organic and it's a it's a uh, it's a polymer basically that uh, that that it's put organic surface preservative is what they what it's called. Uh, so basically, they put a polymer sort of a layer on top of a, a, a copper surface. Uh, there are it's basically very cheap, cost effective. It's I think based on the statistic, it's actually used the most. Uh, so basically, if if there are certain million of square meter of printed circuit boards are made. The highest surface finish used. It's not the highest revenue because it's very cheap. So it actually Enig is where it's made by most of the manufacturers. 
but but it's the highest used surface finish is because you know low reliability consumer electronics you know uh, things of that sort they use osp it it has its own uh, you know uh, cons uh, along with some of the pros which is cheap uh, but there are several cons that usually high reliability product you don't see osp it's mainly used uh, in asia more than uh, as much in america america is mainly uh, electroless nickel immersion gold right. is what is most prevalent right but for consumer class 1 stuff where where prices yeah. everything and the economy of scale drives down the costs uh, or the desire to drive down the costs that that makes sense absolutely um you talk about uh, Enig and its and its longer shelf life, you know, twelve month shelf life. I, I can I can't help but think that is more um, desired now than before because your your boards might be on a ship for six months waiting to be unloaded, yes. and then once they arrive, they might be another six months before you get the components in to to mount yeah, to the board. So twelve yeah, months it, is, it, it is seems a, like a long time, but it probably isn't quite long enough these days. No, um, absolutely. It it is very very much likely that people had not thought of these issues like three years ago, two and a half years ago, and now they are becoming real. Where it's not only the printed circuit board. Uh, you know, the copper clad has a short edge, so it takes two three months. By the time printed circuit boards are manufactured, then it takes six months to get to another place, and then the components are making you wait. So by the time you realize it's already twelve months, and your surface finish is already sort of at the point of compromising. Right. Uh, just to give you an idea, in comparison, OSP has a shelf life less than six months. So you can understand uh, how many, how much of the trouble that you have if you use some of these products versus something that you have to use, which has a very long shelf life. And I think that is one of the things people have started considering very seriously in terms of selecting the right surface finish for your product, which so, is very, very important. Yeah, I, I um, we'll dive into more of the attributes but since we're on the subject of, of shelf life um, yeah. does you know your, your product you call it Enig premium and Nicholas uh, Enig premium um, does that technology offer any different shelf life than a traditional Enig material would it's it's a it's a very similar because we are uh, so our products are also using gold uh, surface finish as a as a final finish yeah. so whatever gold uh, you know offers so it's very similar okay. to Enig or you know Gold yeah. is gold. It doesn't matter the thickness. Uh, we'll get into the thickness of your gold yeah. uh, later. But but yeah. the fact that it's gold, you're claimed by the gold gold rules, the golden rule, so to speak. Yes. Um, so Lilo Tree was awarded a Small Business Innovation Research or SBIR grant from the National yeah. Science Foundation, which congratulations, very impressive, uh, to develop uh, Enig Premium, uh, which was designed to uh, resolve field failures where black pads and brittle failures at solder joints were found to be factors contributing to uh, the malfunctioning of devices to, to reliability issues. Tell me more about those failure mechanisms and how surface yeah. finishes contribute to those failures and more importantly, how surface finishes can help resolve those uh, those failures, help mitigate them. Yeah, yeah. so uh, so I think traditional, uh, I think uh, uh, Mike, uh, as we've been talking about ENIG, ENIG Acronym for electroless nickel immersion gold. So basically, there are two layers. Once you put uh, uh, electroless nickel phosphorus layer, and then you uh, you followed by a, a putting an immersion gold on top of it. The traditionally how Enig and I, I I will not go too much into chemistry uh, lesson here, but sort of you know very briefly that typically immersion gold is a is a is a galvanic displacement. So what happens is it actually takes away nickel and then puts one gold atom in that uh, in that location. Um, now, if you keep on doing that, and if, if there are certain grain boundaries in the in this surface, which is 
which is obvious there are going to be grain boundaries on this nickel surface these boundaries there is a quite a lot of exchange of nickel with gold so basically there is a keep deep crevices being created where gold keeps on displacing nickel and these deep crevices where this uh, you know displacement of uh, gold is uh, or displacement of nickel is happening due to gold that is actually a black pad now what is black pad is that localized region becomes phosphorus rich Uh, so basically the traditional layer is nickel phosphorus where roughly 90% nickel 10% phosphorus now just because the gold has displaced nickel in that area and quite a lot of displacement has occurred that that area becomes phosphorus rich instead of 10% now it has become 15% 20% localized instead of a uniform material as only 10% now that phosphorus rich area it's it's appearing black and that's why it's called black pad in a scanning electron microscope that's where the name has come up because whenever you put it in a in, in an electron microscope it 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 appears as a mud crack and it appears black and that's why it's called black pad now what is a failure mechanism is whenever you have these uh, issues where uh, when it goes to an assembly uh, these pockets of area will not wet well with the solder so the phosphorus rich area will not wet a well with solder so you have pockets of area so if these there are multiple pockets the overall entire pad is non wettable that is uh, that is a you know sort of a the first level of failure that assembly folks will realize but assembly folks may not even realize and they will still wet but there are still pockets of area where the, the wetting has not occurred so you have a area where there is a wetting then there are pockets where there is no wetting so you already have sort of a voids and not a complete entire solder joint right so it's already brittle in the first place the nickel, the nickel tin intermetallics and now you have voids of a, a pockets where the the intermetallics has not formed so it's already compromised so any stressful condition that will have a brittle failure at that intermetallics so that actually makes things the worse so the idea is um, our technology we call it as unique premium where we put sort of a barrier layer between nickel and gold Uh, and their incoming uh, gold is—it's actually not forming these pockets of non-wetting high phosphorus area. And then when the intermetallics are, or when the intermetallics are formed, there is a continuous layer of intermetallics instead of pockets of voids where intermetallics are not formed. And that's why it actually dramatically improves the and increases the reliability. Yeah, interesting. Um, back in the early days of LED lighting yeah. production. Yeah. Um, silver was used as a, a backing material, and then it was uh, discovered the hard way that in regions of the world where sulfur, there's more sulfur in the air. Um, yes, you know, we ended yes. up with like tin whiskers or you know, the failures, yeah. um, major yeah. failures, and then they realized yes. that not the greatest material. Um, is that also maybe not that specific uh, sulfur-induced issue, but is that also a concern with shelf life and surface finishes? where geographically the boards are stored are there places in the world where your 12 month shelf life might be six months uh, based upon environmental yeah. issues yeah no uh, so uh, so mike yes it is something that you have to be very much aware of because certain area is uh, more moisture prone so for example uh, the enic 4552 or rather the ipc 4552 is the enic standard specification uh, that's uh, out there and basically it refers that you should have a 3 to 6 micron of nickel and only you know nowadays 35 nanometer which is only 1.5 micro inches of gold right now gold is very very porous uh, and if you have a, a you know moisture uh, in the air 
I mean, you could actually start seeing the gold being compromised and you will have a compromised surfaces. So the idea is you actually in certain those areas, you want to tend to tell your PCB manufacturer that I want much thicker gold, um, you know, close to 70, 80 nanometer, which is almost two to three, maybe four or five micro inches close to 100 nanometer compared to in other areas where moisture is not an issue, it's properly stored. And you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, these pads getting compromised because the th thickness is very little. And we'll talk about thickness, you know, in in in, in, in little while. But yeah. it is a very critical aspect of gold and how it's being controlled and whatnot. Right. But it sounds like, and we will get into the details of the thickness in a bit, as you point out. But um, just to kind of put a bow on this in context with what we're talking about, it sounds like if all you need is 1.5 nanometers, uh, actually, yeah. 1.5 micro inches. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. So all you need is 1.5, but right. other methods use a much thicker um, uh, thickness of gold for other purposes because they yes. because of the the, the porosity, the moisture uh, breakdown, moisture intrusion, things like that. So, um, you know, last I checked, gold isn't cheap. Even though even very thin layers of gold. Maybe each board doesn't have, you know, enough gold to, to melt down and make a wedding ring. But, but then again, no. we're not making one board. We're making hundreds of thousands, thousands of millions, millions of, of boards. Right. Absolutely. So, so no, no, so that is something, uh, you know, uh, uh, something is, you know, very, very cautious or cautious or sort of uh, cognizant about any designer or any OE uh, or even uh, assembly houses have to understand that, hey, at the end of the day, I'm using precious metal, right? And if, I, if I'm using 10% more of precious metal, my boards will be costing more. You know, I've, I've actually, uh, I've, you know, we work with a lot of PCB manufacturers and, you know, and some of the price sheet and depending on the surface finish, the, the board can cost as much as 100% more compared to, uh, you know, 100% less. Uh, so the, 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 the selection of surface finish is very critical and especially the thickness of gold. One of the uh, distinguishing feature of our product is, you know, typically uh, in the immersion gold world, the way it is, is it's sort of a sludge hammer. What, it, what I mean by that is there is no control. You put it in a bath and then it, it gets plated and you don't have a control of a thickness. So you will have a much larger variation in the thickness. In certain area, you will have a two micro inches or 1.5 to two micro inches. In other areas, you have five micro inches. So your your distribution is such large, you don't have a control. One of the idea or one of the product that uh, the, the feature of our product is actually you can control the gold thickness by half a micro inch uh, precision. So if you decide that, okay, I just need 1.5 micro inches. So you will actually any pad or any area that you have 18 by 24 inch large panel, any pad you pick, your thickness will be between 1.5 micro inch and 2 micro inches. Instead of a 1.5 to 5 micro inches uh, spectrum, you'll have only 1.5 to 2 micro inches. And that actually saves more than 40, 50% of the gold consumption saving. Because I think one thing is to protect from the uh, from the environment, but if 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 there is not required, you do not need to put. If if the requirement and if if your if if your environmental issues are not there, if you if you store it well, if your requirement is only one point five, you should not be putting five micro inches. So right. that's why the idea is to uh, you know sort of keep it within one point five to two uh, to make sure that you are within that range instead of putting three, four, five micro inches. So well, that's the saving. That, yeah, uh, to someone who's a layman like myself, you know, um, not 
not uh, well versed in surface finishes to the level uh, you and your team are. Uh, you know, one, it, it's kind of conventional wisdom that the more of something valuable, the better, right? Certainly, if, if you're wearing jewelry, the the yeah. higher the carat weight or the or the yeah. for diamonds or the or the uh, uh, ounces of gold, the better. But in this case, yeah. uh, more of something is not necessarily better. It it obviously can be worse. Uh, it's, it's the it's right actually, amount. Uh, you, and, you know, I mean, uh, to a point where if you put too much of gold, uh, it actually can create a reliability issue with the, something called gold embrittlement, mm. where you want to stay away. Because when because this gold is going to get dissolved. It's not that you're keeping it. It's going to get dissolved in solder. So you won't even see it once the assembly is formed. Right. It's just a protect, you know, like a final layer that gets dissolved at the time of reflow. So it gets dissolved in the solder. You won't even see it. But if you have too much it actually forms a brittle pockets within the solder and you'll have a failure on those locations. So right. That, you want to control as little as possible. Yeah, and that must be a result system. of the blending of the metals because gold itself is a soft material, right? Correct. Um, yeah, I don't consider absolutely. gold brittle. I consider gold soft and soft, right. pliable, you know, to a certain degree, but it's, it's yeah. uh, interesting to think of it as brittle. So electronics right. today is, as you well know, Canal, are, are ubiquitous. They are everywhere. They're surrounding yeah. us. And IPC... Uh, categorizes um, yeah. for various levels of expected reliability. For example, they have class one products, which are yeah. electronic flea collars and, you know, things that we, you know, we don't die if they fail. We just buy another right. one. Uh, class two, office equipment, things like that. Class three, military, uh, yeah. medical, yeah. even a space categorization. Um, additionally, there's a greater awareness of harsh environments these days, probably mm -hmm. because of IoT and, electrification of cars. Um, we're putting more and more electronics out into the cool, cold, moist world um, yeah. than we did before. Uh, right. And a lot of these devices that are going out to harsh environments are class one devices. They're consumer gadgets, you know, wearables yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So they're not necessarily built to class three standards. No. But then again, e even the cheapest part needs to last, right? Otherwise, <laughs> they'll never sell exactly. a second one. So exactly. how does one go about selecting the most appropriate surface finish yeah. for their application, whether it's harsh environment, whether it's class one, whether it's space, um, how much does, you know, I consider a surface finishes job, as we talked about earlier, to protect the, yeah. the copper right. up until the point of reflow. But it sounds yeah. like the incorrect selection of surface finish can also re result after reflow in, in some issues. Yeah. Um, so it has a responsibility even after reflow. So how does one go about um, selecting the appropriate surface finish for the appropriate yeah. application? So, uh, so, so Mike, as you brought it up, uh, I think, uh, I think some, of the, uh, some of the things we already discussed in the past, but like, for example, class one, class two, class three, sort of as you go into the ladder of higher reliability or higher sort of Reliability is uh, is aftermath, but critical uh, criticality of the application. The more the critical application, uh, the sort of a reliability requirements or reliability expectations increases because you cannot have uh, you know a, a device or assembly failing in, in in somebody's heart or or a body or 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 a multi million dollar investment in the space. Uh, you know where the failure occurred, and you know the entire project come come to uh, a, a halt. So 
so the expectation of reliability uh, increases multifold uh, and and those are the places where i believe the first thing uh, somebody or one of the critical aspects somebody has to be looking for in this application is uh, the solder joint reliability because that's the end that's that sort of surface finish goal is to make sure uh, you know the traditional surface finish or lilo 3 surface finish irrespective so the surface finish goal is to make sure that surface is absolutely pristine first and then it forms a very continuous strong solder joint now traditional surface finish do not participate in for for forming a solder joint lilo 3 surface finish does but at the end of the day it has to have a continuous strong solder joint and that is what is the the critical aspect so that is one thing uh in and in a selection criteria from a assembly perspective or an oem uh, has to be looking for depending on the criticality whether the class 3 class 2 class 1 but then also they have to understand that the, there is a second second aspect is the shelf life that we talked about when is going to be uh, you know pcb are going to be manufactured when where is going to be assembled what's the time frame what is the supply chain logistic are the components available so the shelf life is also second second and most important thing especially now this day day and age there are so many things going on with the war and uh, and with the uh, you know with the supply chain logistic issue with the with the covid and what not and third thing i would also put is the the precious metal the use of precious metal i think we talked about it that one of the use is gold how much thickness do you have a control of the gold uh you know what are the environment is going to be subjected to is if it is a harsh environment you may want to put it slightly thicker gold where you have a control but also you don't want to put extra gold because it may eventually turn into a, you know a solder joint failure so having understanding of what how much thickness of gold i need to be putting what are the you know my supply chain logistic that is telling me one more thing which we have not addressed is you know traditionally past a decade or so there is because of the issues with enig there is palladium has been in uh, you know, sort of included in the in the mix and the product is called enipig uh, which is electroless uh, uh, nickel electroless palladium immersion gold and nowadays with the nickel uh, being frowned upon in certain application which we are going to be talking you know next um, there are there are products called epig which is electroless palladium immersion gold or, uh, or or similar products where they have included palladium in the mix so now when you are looking at these precious metal being included their thicknesses and what type of precious metals are included is also something some uh, somebody has to be very upon uh, and also be very cognizant about the idea is just to give you a you know uh, an example palladium actually cost more than 1.5 times the cost of gold uh, then lot of people don't even know then oh yeah i want palladium you know people say it's more reliable let me just uh, you know throw in palladium in, in, you know in the in the in the mix but it's even more 1.5 times more than gold and and to make things worse the the largest supplier of palladium in the world is russia and ukraine so because of this is going on and the cost yeah. of palladium last two weeks has shot up almost more than 2 10% Right. so it's 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 actually getting getting uh, you know uh, hammered in terms of the cost so well in ukraine's the ukraine's not going to be able to you know they're they're distracted with the with defending themselves yeah. and russia there's sanctions so there there goes the palladium market right yeah and similarly the folks uh, in battery world are you know uh, you know crying over nickel uh, you know people are not even uh, talking about i mean i've actually started seeing uh, uh, you know article because that is the industry we are in 
uh, that the cost of palladium and the, you know in the in affecting the electronic industries and whatnot and even there are other industries where palladium is used uh, that is solar industries and whatnot and they have they are starting to see the pain uh, of you know palladium pricing and whatnot so yeah it's gonna make the cost of gasoline look like a bargain uh, by the time <laughs> done with yes yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. let's keep moving because i really want to get through these questions um in most cases when a new product comes out that solves problems it's priced at a premium yeah on one hand on the other hand when someone says the most expensive component used in in your product um is being used at a fraction of the volume as traditional products then i think oh well then it should be a whole lot cheaper so um yeah i'm sure there's a little bit of calculation that goes both ways but as you know without getting into the details of your pricing um this type of technology is it does it is one of the other attributes besides reliability um, that it it's it saves on cost or does the cost savings come from the reliability um, enhancements uh, so so mike it's uh, very interesting so of course there is a reliability aspect which is which is the feature of our products but the second thing is the cost of the solutions when you know when when we ship it out to pcb manufacturers or ic manufacturers is plating our, you know, plating the uh, products with our solution identical to the traditional solutions out there. The the cost benefit that, uh, you know, that most of our manufacturers realize is because I give you an example that they end up using less gold. So if, if they look at the their usage of gold traditionally previously versus they started using gold have gone down more than 40%. So the, the 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 usage of gold, you know, so when they see every month or every year when they use, you know, Lilothris product versus when they were using a you know traditional product, their cost of gold or you know amount of money that they had to spend for gold solution has dropped more than forty percent. So that is how they realize the benefit. They have to use it less. They have to you know sort of buy it less. They have to replenish less, and so the usage has gone down, or because the as I said, the controlled gold thickness is making them use less gold. And that is the, the, the added cost benefit, benefit that they realize over a period of time. Right. Yeah. So in 1857, uh, we're going to go back in time in our time machine, all the way back to 1857, novelist uh, Anthony Trollope uh, wrote uh, or coined the phrase or at least popularized the phrase, uh, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And right. frequently our industry is hesitant to adopt new practices. The military is almost superstitious to adopt new practices. Yeah. I mean, they're still using lead and through hole technology, right? <laughs> right, um, right. They're, they're basically a time machine. Um, so in aerospace markets, probably fairly similar. Uh, yeah. How has the introduction of, of a new surface material been received in terms of battling against just the legacy mentality? No, uh, and and uh, you know, uh, you know, frankly speaking, we are not going to uh, you know sort of say, oh yeah, it's you know we've been received with the open you know open arms. Uh, again, there has been a tremendous amount of support in the industry just because the, uh, what type of problems we are we are solving. But in terms of a business or in terms of adoption, there there has been quite a lot of uh, apprehensions. You know, there has to be some caution, uh, and beyond that. As you brought it up, a lot of times the most of the PCB manufacturer in US have customers in military or in customers in you know in some of the legacy products where they have you know certain products already on their spec sheet. 
So what it means that, okay, yeah, even though it has a problem, even though there is a better product product out there, it's already part of our design. This is what we want. So a lot of people, uh, you know, say, oh, we cannot change even though there is a better product out there because we need to make this customer happy and they cannot, because if you change one product in the entire stack, they have to do all the qualification testing or approval uh, process again. And that takes forever. And these companies, which is, you know, uh, you know, uh, the the aerospace industry or the defense industry sort of always, all right, let's just keep running what's been running instead of changing anything. So there has been quite a lot of apprehension in terms of adopting a new product. But I think we're going to talk about some of the next generation product where, you know, you are required to change because the, the traditional product do not work. And that's where we sort of started making a mark because then it's it's out of necessity instead of it's good to have. Uh, right? right. It's better to have. And, and, and that's where we started making a mark uh, in terms of a next generation technology that, that we brought up. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. In in doing some research on your on your on your company, um, I read that your company talks, and I saw I think I saw some YouTube videos. It talks about improved signal integrity on five yeah. G products. Of course, five G is big buzzword right now. I'm I'm even starting to hear a lot of uh, some talk on six G. Whether that's yes real or yeah. not, I'm sure it is, but I'm not sure how no, accurate it is, yeah. it is at this stage of the game. But anyway, five G is you know basically a, a buzzword right now. Tell me what that means in terms of improved signal integrity with 5G and the reasons that signal integrity can be an issue with 5G. I never hear anyone saying, this is a great product for 3G, you know, <laughs> as 3G is being turned off around the, around the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Why is 5G um, yeah. more susceptible to signal integrity issues? Yeah, so if I provide a little bit of background for, for all the listener, um, you know, we've been using in the past as you brought it up, the, the 2G and then the 3G and then the 4G. What does that mean is basically is the, the frequency at which these assemblies or these uh, you know electronic assemblies run at. So when you talk about 2, 2G, 3G, 4G, they were running around almost you know, 2 to 3, 2 to 4 gigahertz. That was the frequency that, uh, that they were running on. Now, as you go into 5G, the, the, the frequency, uh, frequency is increased. You know, the 5G spectrum anywhere from, you know, 3, 4 gigahertz, 5 gigahertz, all the way to 25, 35 gigahertz. So now, so that is into millimeter wave. So all these assemblies are actually going into that uh, spectrum, almost 10 times more the frequency what 2G, 3G was running or 4G was running into 5G, 6G spectrum. So it's going all the way up to 35 gigahertz. Now, as you increase the frequency of the assembly, uh, you know, the, 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 the current that passes through the, the circuit, uh, like traditional, as we talked about uh, earlier, the traditional surface finish has been ENIC, electrolytical immersion gold. Now, what happens that you have copper surface pad and then you have ENIC, so the nickel layer and then the gold layer. The nickel layer is actually uh, one fourth to one fifth the conductivity uh, compared to copper. Uh, right and second is it's electromagnetic so there is electromagnetism interference also comes in so as the frequency increases the, these uh, the electrons passes through this nickel layer where it's a bottleneck instead of passing through copper the, there is a there is a skin depth uh, you know no, not getting too much into the the details but the idea is when the current passes through nickel it's a bottleneck because the conductivity is much lower than the copper and also there is inter electromagnetic interference. So, so there is a quite a lot of signal loss 
uh, instead of its its performing to its fullest potential, it actually starts compromising its performance because the current is not passing as quickly as it should be, and that is why it becomes necessity to use or not use nickel, uh, even though it's the most prevalent technology e-nig, because it's it's creating uh, quite a lot of uh, loss in your assembly, so it would not perform optimally that it it should be. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's also talk about how, how this type of product can benefit the auto industry. What is yeah. uh, unique? I know, you know, there's a harsh environment element, obviously, to the auto yeah, industry, yeah, yeah. but uh, are there any other unique characteristics that, that yeah. make this selection of surface finishes even more important for that auto industry over other industries? Right, because we talked about 5G and 6G, 6G which going from 2.5, 3 gigahertz all the way to 25, 35 gigahertz. But the elect automotive electronic assemblies actually run at 75 gigahertz, which is way beyond 25, 35 gigahertz we talked about with 5G and 6G. So that 75 gigahertz, it actually becomes even paramount to be not using any surface finish, which is actually compromising your electric signal integration uh, or, 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 or you know uh, your signal or signal loss uh, instead of having some technology which is actually not adding any signal loss beyond copper uh, does so it actually becomes more critical for automotive industry to be using a next generation surface finish than the traditional that has been used in the market yeah, I, I am, I'm in the, you know, as you probably know, I'm in the contamination removal business. And yeah. we always talk about when frequencies get that high, not only do your boards have to be clean, your thoughts have to be clean. You know, <laughs> because it doesn't yes. take much to, to get frequency distortion and things like that. Right. Uh, I'm going to throw uh, a couple of graphs on the screen here. Yeah, right And to my, uh, to my uh, audience that's listening to this in their car, on their headphones, off uh, Apple, um, 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 podcasts or Google podcasts or Spotify or Amazon music or wherever. I apologize. You're not able to see this, but this, this is a, an encouragement when you get back to your office or get home, go on and search the YouTube version of reliability matters. And, uh, yeah. you won't be experiencing FOMO, you know, cause you're not seeing the graph here, but, um, I'm showing two graphs on the screen. Uh, one represents a traditional Enig material and one represents a nickel less Enig uh, premium material. So uh, Kunal, tell me what I'm seeing here and what, yeah. the, what the differences are between these two graphs. So these graphs, basically the uh, X axis is the frequency. So frequency, as I explained uh, that at 2G, 3G, it runs around uh, sort of a close around two to, uh, you know, three, four gigahertz. That is almost the left hand side. And then as X axis are increasing, it's the increasing the frequency. So the first plot on the left is uh, running until 50 gigahertz. So you can see that, and then the y-axis is the loss, which is the insertion loss or a signal integrity loss or signal loss, you can say. So basically you can see the red curve is, is bare copper, meaning every PCB will, will encounter that much loss because it's it, bare copper. Basically the substrate will always be bare copper, at least, uh, at least so far we know until somebody comes up with a completely different substrate. But bare coin, of course, the copper has one of the highest uh, con conductivity. Of course, there are some other materials out there, but there are a lot of other reliability aspect of copper as well. So we, our industry has adopted copper. So you'll always have a signal integrity loss that is associated with bare copper. Your, your assembly and your design should be such that there should not be uh, insertion loss beyond bare copper. You have to encounter uh, you know, loss that is associated with bare copper, but not beyond that. 
Now, if you put enig on top of bare copper, which is what surface finish does, which prevalent surface finish, electrolytic emergent gold, look at what happens. That is the blue curve. As you go into one gigahertz, two gigahertz, you know, five, ten, all the way to fifty, the insertion loss keeps on increasing. Meaning, you are adding more and more loss just because you have a presence of nickel in your surface finish. So that is how, uh, in, in in the plot on the right, it's actually plotted all the way to beyond hundred gigahertz. So the idea is the nickel-less enic premium. That is a product that uh, we offer. Uh, Lilo three offers for next generation PCB uh, technologies for for high frequency purposes. It's actually hugging bare copper all the way through. Even you can see some of the around hundred giga. It starts to sort of separate it out. It's it's not actually really separating it out. The the tester. Uh, this is this is the this is the, uh, the 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 equipment tester's capability was around eighty ninety gigahertz. And then after 100 gigahertz, it starts to wiggle it out. So it's not real effect. The idea is it's hugging bare copper all the way through, even beyond 100 gigahertz, uh, is basically providing the best possible performance you can get in terms of a signal integrity. Meaning surface finish should not be the one which would add to the signal integrity loss. The you know it should be only the amount of loss that you incur with bare copper and not beyond that. And that's why it's called non-lossy surface finish. Everything else is called lossy surface finish. Yeah, the difference uh, for those who aren't seeing this graph, the difference uh, on the first graph using traditional Enig uh, is as the frequency increases, uh, the uh, red line and the blue line separate. It's almost an upside-down V. You know, it's uh, it is a very uh, linear separation um, relative to frequency on the um, nickel-less uh, material. Uh, there's pretty much parity. It's basically one line directly over another line with, with almost, well, very, very, very little separation toward extremely high frequencies. Is, is that a good explanation for the yeah. visually impaired? Absolutely accurate. Yep. Yeah. Um, so your company uh, states that nickel-free options such as, uh, we, and you talked about this, this earlier, uh, EPEG, EPEG, EPEG um, and DIG, I'm not sure what, yeah. DIG is it's, uh, direct immersion gold. Okay, um, yeah. are associated with reliability issues, uh, and you, yeah. you you hit on some of those before palladium and and, and with costs. Anyway, yeah. um, what are those issues, and what's the primary uh, cause of those issues unique to those so, other materials? Yeah, so with the with the palladium based technology, it's been reported there have been brittle solder joint failures. Uh, reported uh, with the palladium based technology, so it's not necessarily providing the robust solder joint. Uh, with DIG, as uh, I brought it up, it's direct immersion gold, where instead of putting so palladium, nickel are some sort of a barrier layer. So basically, it's pre preventing copper diffusion to the gold. Uh, so we use a proprietary barrier layer, which is organic in nature, and it, it creates a treatment to the copper to provide that barrier. Uh, so that's why it's cost effective. We are not using any palladium or any nickel in this particular technology. Uh, but direct immersion gold uh, is actually, it's, it's, depositing very thick gold because basically hoping that even copper diffusion occurs, it remains here and it's not coming to the surface. So the surface is still uh, good and it's not compromised. Uh, with the direct immersion gold, it's exactly the, the discussion we've had is if you have too much gold and it goes into the solder, for example, in the BGA, it's only 0.5 millimeter BGA and you have you know half a micron or 200, 300 nanometer of gold diffusing into solder, the solder will be brittle because of the gold embrittlement issues. So right. you don't want to be dumping so much gold and hoping the good performance will come. There are reliability issues with that as well. Sure. 
with this considerably thinner layer of gold um, that premium uh, provides, uh, does that, with less gold infusing into the um, solder, um, does that affect at all in a in a positive or negative way the 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 pull strength or shear strength of the actual intermetallic uh, you know bond? No, I mean at at certain point, I mean uh, like anything anything between uh, two micro inches to four micro inches uh, would not lead the gold will not uh, affect positively or negatively in terms of the solder joint strength. It will just get diffused in the solder, and basically there are numbers out there where it has to have a certain amount of uh, thickness. A certain amount of gold has to be diffused into solder, and that concentration of gold present in the solder would lead to gold embrittlement. Uh, but anything between two to four micro inches is too li- little to cause any any negative or adverse effect. Uh, uh, you know, once it gets dissolved in the solder. Mm-hmm. But the solder reliability actually brought up, as we talked about, is the how our barrier layer actually gets diffused into copper and preventing that copper diffusion and forming. Uh, very thin intermetallics, and that is how the improvement comes about. Um, right. Yeah. So our uh, lilo tree, you, know, you you developed this unique formulation using less right. gold and and other uh, attributes. How unique are those attributes? Uh, are the other surface finish companies sitting around going, "I'm watching you, and I'm going <laughs> to wait and see how you do," and then we're just going to all jump on the bandwagon, or are they still clinging to the uh, you know the technology that they've had for all these years, or what? I, what's your take on all that? I, 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 <laughs> very interesting. So I think it's it, it's the it's the first option you brought up. Uh, I hope that they don't cling on, and we still have our edge uh, last for long time. We do have uh, several patterns in our technology, and in terms of comparison, uh, we are uh, you know humbly speaking uh, way. Uh, better in terms of the performance you saw in insertion loss, but even in terms of reliability uh, that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I always say from, you know, from a perspective is we believe that we saw that surface finish could also participate in the improvement of reliability, which other surface finishes or traditional legacy companies have not seen it. Uh, Our goal is to, you know, uh, form uh, you know, better reliability in terms of, you know, solder joint assembly or, sol- uh, you know, solder joint strength. And we have, you know, uh, our proprietary technologies are, are protected by, by several patterns across the world. Uh, so I, we hope uh, we, we continue that edge for, you know, several years to come. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I, I know when uh, Elon Musk at Tesla, you know, was building his company, uh, he famously offered to give away many of his patents and people asked him, you know, why would you invest all this research and, you know, considerable amount of money and then just give your patents away to your competitors? And his answer was, was uh, surprising. It was, you know, he didn't want to be the only one doing it because electric, he, he will do more business if everyone else jumps into the electric world, right? And, uh, and it becomes mainstream rather than, you know, fringe technology. And so, I think that's, a, so- that's a, probably a big picture, pretty, pretty wise move, or certainly... Um, a, uh, you know, one can say crazy move, but we'll see. Crazy <laughs> like a fox or just crazy? Time will tell. Uh, so, so, Mike, the way we think is, you know, in, uh, by by we entering in the market, it made other people uh, consider us from a uh, adoption, from an OEM and PCB manufacturer. 
but at least also it actually made other surface finish companies to also uh, you know join the party in terms of thinking about how they can improve the reliability instead of hey let's just you know not worry about it's been going on for 20 30 years let's just keep making money and mm. you know if customers liking it and you know if everybody it's it's it just you know let's put certain thing under the rug and not worry it is sort of a scenario now they have to you know you know pull their straps up and and, and improve their products at least that is how we we think it uh, you know one analogy of course we are nowhere close and we are not saying we are that but at least we see one thing is uh, you know there used to be a legacy uh, i you know internal combustion engine and uh, you know somebody came up with the electric car and every company is now joining electric car uh, you know especially with the gas pricing and everything mm. and again there is nowhere there is a analogy or comparison but at least the idea is the world is get, it's, it's it's becoming better when you have a newer technology uh, and hoping you know uh, you know we uh, we live in a in an environmental free i mean rather environment a good clean environment with you know to- toxic free world in terms of a chemical and in terms of a reliability a better reliability technology oh, that makes sense in many ways uh, it's like how apple made microsoft products yeah. better just <laughs> yeah, by right? just by raising the bar and and the uh, japanese auto manufacturers in the 70s ended up making american car manufacturers better because we had we had to compete right so someone has to raise the bar and then yeah. other people will sit back watch uh, see if you're crazy or 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 wise and then jump on and pile on um one of the last questions and then I'll ask you one one parting question um the board fabrication process you know you're 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 preaching and I use that in a good word you're 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 selling your product not really to board fabrications I mean you're selling people on your product your your target audience is not the board fabricator even though that is physically your customer right yeah. um but the people that you're trying to convince that this is a better technology are ironically not the people who are going to pay you money they're the people who are going to specify your product yeah. into this you know third party contract manufacturer so there's a little bit of a separation yeah. between the person who pays you and the person who yeah. who who selects you um yeah. which which adds a complicating factor so if someone decided yeah. that you know they like what they hear and uh and they're going to specify Enig premium uh or Nicholas um Enig premium yeah. uh is it pretty assured that any contract manufacturer they go to on any continent will know oh yeah we know what that is or will yeah. some of them turn around and say we've never heard of that before um <laughs> you know what where are you in that that uh, penetration of of that that market uh no mike absolutely you have uh, absolutely accurately uh, explained the 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 market scenario with our industry is basically our real customer are the oem even though they are not paying for it they, the only thing they are doing is specifying and the you know and the more they specify uh, sort of larger the oem and the more they specify uh, you know you will you will see it's being adopted you know our product is being adopted by pcb manufacturer for that matter actually we work with so many asian uh, pcb manufacturer uh, along with the uh, american ones but the but in all of the pcb manufacturer is like hey we are working with a with a large oem let's do evaluation together and once they approve it your product is in our floor or in our in our manufacturing uh, facility so this is how it's been going on uh, 
past you know couple of years uh, in terms of the uh, adoption in terms of knowing about the product of course two years ago uh, you know a lot of them is like oh what's that let me find out go what's that unique name and then they do lilote.com uh, now it's changed actually past a year or so we've got a lot of exposure from pcb manufacturers in united states it's always like that but in asia as well we have actually uh, uh, partnered with one of the largest uh, distributor company in japan uh, who has been you know uh, helping us you know spread the word and getting it uh, adoption and getting it distributed uh, across the entire uh, entire world because they are one of the largest in the world in terms of chemical distribution uh, so they actually help us distribute in europe in asia in in america as well uh, so lot of them have adopted it but lot of them have actually heard of the uh, us they are in the different phases or different stages of evaluation maybe early stage to a stage where they have completely adopted in the sense that they have completely love finished the evaluation they love the product and are waiting for it to be adopted so there is basically every spectrum of what of which you will you will find but at least i would say that most of them have at least heard of the, heard of us which is, which we call it as a uh, it's in a in a different perspective it's a success uh, because we are not a legacy we are starting out from scratch so at least that we call it as a success matrix compared to the the the, the legacy ones where uh, yeah 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 that that's that's always a challenge at first getting people to just just know who you are and then the yeah, second challenge of course is to be selected um, yeah. so what what as as we finish up what's What's the future for Lila Tree? I, you, you've already solved one problem. What's next on your on your uh, checklist of, of uh, problems to solve and, and how to make the world a better place? Uh, at least uh, this the, the surface finish industry is a very uh, you know very large and a, and, a, and a complex industry. Even though it may we may have actually made it uh, in this conversation uh, to sound very straightforward. Oh, these are the chemical and you just sell it, but. Uh, you know nowadays with the with the complexity of printed circuit board and the next generation uh, i think uh, the some of the feature size uh, and the, the line and the feature space are going into you know as like 2 or 3 micron even smaller than those so to figure out with you know surface finish with with their with their demands and you know type of surface finish the size, type of laminates uh, that are being used and being compatible with all of those uh, and the surface finish itself, we we have few other surface finishes uh, also in the pipeline in terms of development. Uh, we have, uh, you know, sort of I'm saying some of the things, out, uh, you know, out loud. Where we have our own Lyotree's own OSP is coming up, which is way more cost effective, uh, and there is no gold layer. Uh, and so we may have addressed some of the traditional OSP's problem. Uh, with our own OSP brand uh, or version uh, to it, so we we do have several products in pipeline. So our goal is to make sure that we offer this surface finish and continue to provide reliability along the way. Uh, and in that process, they end up using a green chemical with a with a lower cost. Uh, so you know that's sort of a summarizing what what we want to do in the future. Well, Dr. Kanal Shah, thank you so much for uh, for being my guest today and for explaining to my to me and my audience how um, there are solutions to reliability issues that can be solved by uh, the appropriate selection of surface finishes i appreciate uh, what you're doing i appreciate the fact that uh, your product and anyone's products that can make the you know the world more reliable uh, are out there um, that makes me feel a little bit better as i'm driving my 
my semi-autonomous car, you know, uh, and uh, well, not not really semi-autonomous. It's it will correct itself in, in the lane. Oh. It will it will it has adaptive cruise control and it has blind spot indicators and all those things. I now rely on. I never even considered yes. relying on those things before, and now I I've become a poorer driver because I just I don't even look over my shoulder anymore. So these things have to work, right? Or or it'll affect me. So uh, I appreciate the work that you um, and your colleagues do to um, make electronics more reliable. And I wish you a, a huge amount of success uh, as you uh, continue forward and, uh, and make uh, the electronics world more reliable. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Mike, for having me. And this, it's been a great conversation with you. Yes, I, I agree. And, and uh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening or watching the Reliability Matters podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so many more. Also, be sure to check out my other podcasts, including the Concept to Creation podcast, where I feature conversations with entrepreneurs within the electronic assembly space, and the Innovations and Technology podcast, where we discuss innovative products within our industry. All three shows are also available in video format. Check out the Reliability Matters or Concept to Creation or Innovations in Technology podcasts on YouTube. Just search the show's name and you can find all three shows. Or go to MikeConrad.com. That's Conrad with a K. All three shows also appear there. Again, thanks for being part of my podcast family. I appreciate you being here. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay happy. And of course, keep doing it right. See you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Reliability Matters podcast. Join us on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for new episodes of Reliability Matters.